My name is Kevin O'Connell. I'm the founder of the Niche Movement. Uh, this was started as a blog four years ago. I literally was working full time at Rutgers University, frustrated not only with my job, but with the student leaders that worked there. And I saw them graduate, go into the real world and become an adult, and they, they hated life. And uh, they either took the wrong job or, or went to grad school and didn't know why they went to grad school other than that their parents or advisor told them to. Uh, long story short is we've made a lot of impact over the last four years. Uh, we interviewed 30 young professionals in 2014 and published, self-published our first book, The New Rules of Finding a Career That You Love. Uh, with the help of our sponsors, we took a traditional two-day conference and completely broke that model. And now we're doing these fireside chats where we actually get to sit down with somebody like Brian who has what I think. And I think a lot of guys in here think probably has the coolest job here. Um, and we get to sit down with them for 45 minutes and actually find out how did they go from point A to point B uh, versus just hearing them give like a 10-minute TED talk, which could be too canned sometimes. Um, but I think one of the coolest anecdotes that I want to share with you is uh, one thing I read this morning is not everything has to be scalable, right? Like we're not a job board. We are not an app. We are a community. We're a community of 30 contributing editors. We, uh, we do these events that range from anywhere from 15 to 50 people in audience size. Uh, and we have a community of about 3,000 people that read, watch, and listen to our content. Uh, and we also do trainings and events like this. But I think the coolest thing is when it comes to impact is not only are we trying to help you know, rethink the career search style and help you know, people you know, get a job that they love, but it's about connecting people and community. And so even though that there might be 15, 20 people in here tonight, there might be one connection and one, one serendipitous moment that you were in the right place at the right time. An example of that was three weeks ago when we did our first uh, fireside chat in DC. We interviewed Noel London, who works for an incubator down in DC, Social Entrepreneurship Incubator. And uh, we had everybody from first year college students at GW all the way to seasoned uh, professionals at the other spectrum of the career spectrum. And what I just found out last night is that gentleman uh, who asked a question about millennials uh, was so compelled and so inspired that he met with Noel a week later Following week later, uh, he actually wound up giving funding to one of her startups that are trying to change the world at the incubator. And so we basically connected two people that would have probably never met and were at completely different spectrums of, the, of, of their career. And so I think that was a really cool antidote that really kind of uh, realized like, this is what we're trying to do, bring people together. And obviously New York City is very big, um, but I'm so, so thankful for you guys coming out tonight. So without further ado, I want to bring Brian Campbell up here. So, I met Brian through Mary Johnson here. Uh, she was a former Rutgers student and now friend. They are obviously dating right now. Uh, but when I heard Mary, so we originally asked Mary to MC our conference, and then Mary's like, well, you should actually ask Brian to speak at your conference because he has such a cool job. And the minute I heard travel and automotive and gear patrol, I was like, tell me more. And what he's going to talk about is how he went from traditional uh, engineering and arts background to then going to London and going to automotive journalism school and now working at Gear Patrol, but I think there was a lot of adversity that landed him there. It wasn't just a quick, like, let me go to get my master's and then get this great job at Gear Patrol. So without further ado, give it up for Brian. We're going to talk about how he landed here at Gear Patrol and what Gear Patrol is. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, take a seat. So Brian, believe it or not, is off. Well, you're off to Palm Beach tomorrow. Palm Springs. Palm Springs. Yeah. And what the hell are you doing out in Palm Springs? Uh, I will be testing the new uh, Audi S4 and S5. So, where I don't know. So yet. testing, you will literally be behind the wheel driving this car. Yeah, they uh, they fly us in, they'll put us up, and then they just kind of allocate test cars out, and then we drive them around for a day, and then fly back home. Okay, so many people are going to be super jealous. You're shaking your head. I know people watching this at home are like, "How the hell did you get this job?" But before we get there, I want to start with. 
I think there's a lot of instances or, or people that might change our lives, but has there been one moment um, or one person that, that got you to this point or, or shifted your, your trajectory from college or high school? Yeah, it's funny. I, um, I went to Rutgers originally to design cars. Okay. And then I quickly realized that my drawings were not nearly as good as everyone else's, all the other designers out there. Um, I went there to do sculpture and drawing, and okay. then uh, the, the teacher that was working the 3D printer, he left. But before he did that, he realized that I didn't even like sculpture. He realized that I didn't care about the class too much. And then he said to me one day, <coughs> excuse me, said to me one day, he, uh, he said, clearly you don't give a shit about this class. <laughs> but um, what someone asked... Um, Bob Dylan, how he got so good at the guitar. Yeah. And he told them, it's what I do on a toilet. So, he's, <laughs> so he said to me, what do you do on a toilet? So I took a look and took a look at, I was like, what do I do? I mean, aside from, aside from the obvious, I was like, I'm, I'm reading car magazines. Wow. So that's when I knew, I was like, I have to get into, have to get into car magazines. Really? And what, 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 so I know you graduated Rutgers around 2011-ish. What, what were you, were a first year student, a senior, where were you? Um, that was sophomore year. Um, I originally, I went into uh, photography uh, at, at Rutgers because I didn't know what I wanted to do exactly. Mm -hmm. um, I did photography in high school a little bit and I remembered I was pretty good at it. Okay. Um, <laughs> and then so I... But it wasn't toilet worthy. Yeah, no, it wasn't <laughs> toilet worthy. I wasn't taking pictures of cars on the okay. toilet. Um, and then, so I liked it because I got to be next to cars, I got to be out in the field, mm -hmm. not sitting in like a dimlet studio sure. drawing. Um, but then my senior year, I realized that it was going to be really tough to uh, get a job with a bachelor in fine arts okay. like anywhere. And to get a, a solid gig at a magazine as the sole photographer is near impossible. Yeah. So I immediately just started searching automotive journalism on the internet. So you just put those two words together. Yeah, the best, I feel like the best Google searches are the most obvious ones. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I came across Coventry University in England, and they have the only master's course in the world that does automotive journalism. Really? And, and this was junior, senior year at Rutgers? Senior year. So I graduated in May, applied for the master's program, and then moved to England in September. Really? So you just, as soon as you saw it, you're like, that's where I'm going? Yeah. Really? Yeah. And so what, um, what happened? Actually, let's back up. Who did you tell first? Like you Google search, did you like call your parents? Did you like, no. or did you, or did like, did you ask for like, I, permission? No, I, I Google searched it and I, well, I had to, I eventually had to tell my mom cause she had the, the <laughs> eyes on the college fund. So I said, she was like, well, you can do this and be more in debt or you can not do this and be less in debt. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, I'll have better job, job prospects if I do do it. Yeah. So that was kind of the the obvious choice and was there any um was there any struggle or anything that like did you get admitted right away or or like when you got to london well, was there any adjustment they um there there was a, an application process i mean obviously but i had to do a review or i had to send in a review and send mm -hmm. in some uh examples of my work but i hadn't i hadn't done any reviews whatsoever all i had was some photography that i had already done for for school so i had my my own personal motorcycle. So I said, I mean, I know that motorcycle better than anybody. Yeah. So I did end up doing an 800 word, 800 word review on my own motorcycle. Jeez. Wow. Yeah. Talking about like a college essay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so let's go back even further. Where did you grow up? 
Uh, Somerset, New Jersey. And so when did the car thing happen? Was it when you were like 16, 17, you got your driver's license or was it because of your, your parents or brother or sister or? Somewhat, it was, um, I actually didn't like cars as a kid. I, uh, my dad had a 76 Eldorado in kind of was, wasn't running for mm-hmm. most of the time that I knew it. Um, I was equated to, it scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. It was kind of like the furnace in Home Alone. <laughs> yeah, like, so you go in the garage. Yeah, and it was like, like yeah. me and my sister just looked at it as like a monster. Yeah. But um, then he wanted to sell it, so he had to fix it up. So I helped him fix it up to sell it. And then it was as he was putting it on the flatbed, that's when I knew. I was like, you're like, don't, biggest don't take it away. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I would have drove that in high school. Yeah. He's like, well, too late now. The guy's already bought it. So. <laughs> but from then on, I was just like, I need to. I thought my dad knew everything about cars yeah. that there was. So I like almost, I think that week, I would go with my mom to the supermarket and pick up like in the go in the aisles and pick up motor trend car and driver yeah just got subscriptions to all those magazines yeah, yeah. that wound up on your toilet <laughs> yeah exactly so what what have you seen now um getting so you got you went to automotive journalism school in london um what's has there been a disruption from those traditional magazines to now what you're doing at gear patrol and then that's obviously where i want to go with what is gear patrol and what you guys are doing but what's the disruption then with that yeah so the thing is it's with the traditional magazines, um, which they call buff books, yeah. um, they're all based in, in Michigan and they're kind of, I'll go right into what, what Gear Patrol does through this, it's an easy segue. Because they, they print them out um, every month and then Auto Week is actually every week. Um, not, not to take away from what they do every month, I mean what they do, some of the work they do is actually incredible what they, the projects they get done mm-hmm. in that span of time. But you, it, it's a magazine that ends up next to your toilet. Yeah. It's kind of like you read it and then you're not really done with it. You flip through it. And then, and then the next yeah. one's already out. Yeah. So then, then they end up piling up. What drew me to uh, Gear Patrol and when they said that they're going to make a magazine, I thought it was awesome. And they said it was going to be biannual. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's like 230 pages thick. But because it comes out twice a year, you're probably just, you probably read it twice over by the time the next one comes sure, out. Sure, sure. And it's a little selective. You kind of anticipate that coming out twice yeah. a year. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about then from London to Gear Patrol. So you, so did everything work out? Like you went to automotive journal school, you went there for a year or two and all of a sudden job came your way? Because I can't imagine that happened. No. Um, I came back from England and I actually got kind of bait and switched right away. Mm-hmm. I found a job. I forget if it was on a job website, but it was um, a dealership, a motorcycle dealership. And they said that they're like, oh, we'd like you to do kind of write reviews about the bikes that we have. Mm-hmm. And then putting reviews on the website. And I was like, all right. So I came in, I interviewed for that job. Mm-hmm. And about five minutes in, they just let me know that it was going to be a salesman job. I was like, all right, well, I'm here and I need the money because yeah. Yeah, I'm just that fresh out of grad school. So I took it. I worked that winter through the summer and I was freelancing the entire time and I quit mm-hmm. going into September just because I knew that the sales were going to drop off because it's a seasonal motorcycles are seasonal so I kind of quit to kind of light a fire uh, fire under my own ass about so I freelanced a little bit more uh, picked up more freelancing gigs mm-hmm. and then through a job site that's when a recruiter contacted me about a job uh, writing with GM at uh, Chevy Performance, okay. but they wanted me to move to Michigan. 
and I had just met Mary, so she wasn't too happy about that. <laughs> um, but so I mean, but it was the money was very it was enticing. Was, yeah, it was yeah. extremely enticing. Yeah. Agency money is it's nice to know you don't have to worry about your yeah it's some pr predictable yeah, yeah worry about your bank account month to yeah. month. Um, but so they flew me out there. I lived out there for about three months, and they didn't. I I always got the feeling that they didn't know that the, the account was actually going to be folded. So then I moved back after three months. Huh. And but I was freelancing at a website the entire time, and then a desk opened up there, and they said we'd be more than happy to have you. Mm -hmm. um, so I worked there for about a summer, and then it was we got an invite to go to the new Mustang launch in California and they're like Brian would you like to go and I this said, was through the freelance gig or through the Michigan this is through I'm already back this the Michigan gotcha. is Michigan done. is over this is for it's kind of it was freelance but it was part-time I was I was going in three times out three to three days out of the week yeah um, into the it was like 20th and Broadway and uh, so I went on this Mustang drive and they do it in waves of journalists so they oh, First wave of journalists, then they'll overlap by a day. Okay. Second wave of journalists, so they can do, get all the press in there and still kind of, the PR people can still stay sane. <laughs> um, and there's one guy, James Lambden, who works at Analog Shift, who occasionally wrote for the same website. And he thought he was there for the same website, but he was actually there for, they had him down as Maxim. But okay. we, got to, we got to talking and... Uh, and then we were like, oh, we should meet up for a beer in the city or something like that. Yeah, I was like, yeah, sure. So a couple weeks later, we went up for a beer, started talking. Who initiated it? Uh, I did. Cool. I mean, I, I, actually, I lent him a cigarette. <laughs> and then he, because we were both drinking at the bar, I lent him a cigarette. And he, he was like, I just quit. My girlfriend's going to kill me. I was like, hey, you don't have to take it. It's fine. It's, well, we can just chat. He's like, no, it's fine. I'll take the cigarette. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so then when we got back to, to New York, and we were out for the beat. I, we, he had a pack of cigarettes. He was like, I picked up a smoking habit again. Thanks to you. I was like, well, I apologize. But um, so then we were talking and he was like, do you want a freelance relationship for the rest of your life? And I said, absolutely not. He's like, well, I have, I know websites that are hiring automotive writers specifically. I was like, what are those websites? He started rallying them off. I started typing them down. And then the entire time he was texting someone on his phone. I kind of thought it was rude. Yeah. And I was, like, what the? I was like, all right, I don't think anything of yeah. it. And then he looks up and he's like, do you know Gear Patrol? It's like, yeah. Do you want an interview? So he was yeah. texting. Uh, yeah. He's like, all right, you got one Monday. Jesus. Like, all right. So I went on my lunch break on Monday for the interview for Gear Patrol. Wow. And here I am. So then I actually saw him last Friday and I was joking with him that uh, I gave him his smoking habit back and he gave me a job. <laughs> yeah. So. Something a little bit better for you, hopefully. Yeah. So... I, I got it. So like in that five minute sound, right? Like that probably sounds pretty like perfect and like everything worked out right place, right time. You followed up. Yeah. What was, what was something that was difficult during that time period or something, a, a challenge of yours? It was, um, because like, that's a pretty, like that was over the span of maybe like two, two years. Mm -hmm. Um, I always thought that that, like that instance would never happen, but it was always kind of putting, putting myself in the, if I ever got the chance to put myself in the right position, mm -hmm. I would. At Coventry, they had a really good graduate program where they had, um, they would talk to grads about networking and mm -hmm. all this, but they never really had it for, like, I guess the automotive journalism uh, 
industry. Yeah. It was always for business or banking. Sure, yeah. So I was going there and I was, I was thinking this is completely useless. I'm yeah. like, I'm never going to use this. Yeah. But then when I got back, I, it was almost like, uh, not instinctively, but I kind of just naturally applied it to my industry. Yeah. And then I just started networking and now we go like events and stuff like that. Just naturally kind of just start talking about cars. But and it's funny when someone starts talking about politics, I always spin it and bring it back to cars, <laughs> so I actually know that it sounds like I'm talking about. So, so that's interesting. Is that you? You can you can be on and network and be yourself if it's something that you're yeah. interested and passionate about. What would happen if if you? What do you think would happen if you didn't go to the journalism school and wasn't didn't get so into cars? Do you think it wouldn't have been that natural and that easy to you? Yeah, I don't know, because I know a lot of people make a decent living out of freelancing. I know a lot of people who start out who are journal, uh, automotive journalists now who didn't, I mean, it's the only place in the world that offers the course, not everyone went to it. Yeah. So there's obviously a million different ways into the industry. Yeah. Um, I'm not, but they're probably much harder. I think I gave, by doing the photo automotive photography and doing the writing, the writing, I gave myself kind of a, uh, two weapons to work yeah, with yeah. going into. Yeah, jack of all trades. Yeah. yeah, so when it came to freelancing, I could offer myself up as a writer and a photographer for the same rate card as, as one employee, so. Cool. So what year did you start at Gear Patrol, or what, when was it that you started there? 2014, gotcha. Paul. All right, so let's tell you, what, what is Gear Patrol? Because I've gone on your Instagram, I see watches, I see cars, I see, yeah. like, so like I, you got, what, the, what is it? The easiest way to describe it is kind of like a men's adventure lifestyle website that's like talking to, the, to our social person like that's men's adventure lifestyle website so we do everything from like you said cars watches um if you're it's pretty much all the fun stuff so that's mm -hmm. why like a lot of the the other car journalists kind of they kind of sometimes rag on the the lifestyle mm -hmm. uh publications but it's because we don't have to review the the minivans and all the like the boring cars we can just go after the fun stuff yeah. So we don't have like car and driver will do, do the Honda they, CRVs. Yeah, they have yeah. to do the base level yeah. car where we can just like, well, we can do Lamborghini. It's gotcha. And be fine with it. And so where did Gear Patrol start it? Who started it? When did it start? Like, uh, it was Eric and Ben, Eric Yang and Ben Bowers. And they, I believe, I don't know exactly where, I forget where they started it exactly, but it was just an email um, that they sent out. And it was just, it was today in gear. It was just kind of like a roundup of the best gear deals mm -hmm. of the day and it just kind of blossomed from there. Wow. So at that point when you started, where were they? Like we were in an office half the size with a, probably about a quarter of the people, mm -hmm. but we were putting out, that was when I joined, we had just started doing really big missions and missions. I mean like the, the, the chapters that you see in the magazine now. Mm -hmm. So that the first one was like Scotland, but it wasn't in the magazine. This is mm -hmm. pre-magazine. Um, they were just doing the big, big missions and Scotland was the first where they kind of just went in, they did a deep dive of the culture of a specific area. They did yeah. uh, scotch, hiking, culinary stuff, mm. um, and then gear tests and stuff like that, so. Gotcha. So what, uh, so, and I think I've seen your, your bio a couple different ways, but lead writer or, or staff writer, so what, what is a typical day and I know tomorrow you're jumping on a plane but like what, what do you do in a week in a month in a day like, like what are you doing how much is writing how much is photography how much is research well the the photography just happens on the trips I mean we have dedicated photographers like mm -hmm. if we can if we can spare them we'll definitely send them because they're infinitely times better than I am at what they do 
Um, but we, what I'll do is I'll, I'll be writing, I'll be checking the news cycle. If there's something newsworthy that fits our audience, I'll write up something quick and pop that up on the website. Mm. Um, I'll be organizing the, the editorial schedule for the months coming up. Yeah. Um, so we're not caught off guard by anything like we have the trade shows. We have which is the, the Geneva Auto Show, the Detroit Auto Show back in January, New York Auto Show is coming up next month. Wow. Um, so we just cover like kind of the, follow the news cycle a little bit and then we have the, the, the reviews, the, the buying guides and everything in between. Gotcha. What, uh, so what has been the, the coolest experience or, or adventure that you've been on with Gear Patrol? Um, the, uh, my trip to Chile was, was interesting. Um, we had two guys that flew down to Patagonia. They were snowboarding and cougar hunting. Okay. And then, uh, <laughs> then I met them in Santiago and uh, I, we rented a, an, a POS like BMW motorcycle and I rode across Chile to the coast. And then so we stayed in Valparaiso for I think two nights and then rode back down to the Andes, which was really cool. Wow. Um, and then was it last summer? I went to the Ducati factory with Ducati, and then got a tour there. I got to, to do a story on their design studio. Mm -hmm. And then there's a big Ducati festival at uh, in Misano. So we rode. I, Mary got to come with me. We rode about five hours from the factory to World of Ducati. Yeah. Then we took a trip up, personal trip up to Venice, and then we came back and we ended the trip with. I got a tour of the Lamborghini factory, and I got to ride shotgun with the Lamborghini, official test driver Lamborghini and interview him Jesus. in an Aventador Roadster. And then we pulled back to the factory and then we goes like, oh, okay, you're done. And he <laughs> throws me the keys and he says, bring back in one piece. And I just take it off into the, the hills, oh my which is awesome. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. <clears throat> all right, so how, so all these adventures, how is this not a scam? What is, so what is, <laughs> what is, what is or, or, or what is your, who, who do you report to? Uh, I report to my editor, Nick Caruso. So what, what is his or Gear Patrol's expectations? Is it the sky's the limit right now and like go do these crazy things and, and come back and report about it? Or, or like what, what, is, what, is, what is the expectation, but also like what is yours and his like work relationship and leadership style? Well, we kind of collaborate on the editorial schedule. Yeah. Like we both plan out, like it's not just me. We, yeah. Like we work together, kind of brainstorm what we want to see over the next yeah. uh, week, two weeks, three weeks. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to these trips, because we're out of the office, um, I mean, I can write in the hotel, but sure. there's a travel day on either end. Mm -hmm. So we kind of have to make it worth our while to go out there. So there will be a review on a car, but mm -hmm. there will also be um, Instagram stories, mm -hmm. uh, photos for Instagram. Um, so basically social media across the board. Sure. Um, and then we'll try to maybe do one or two posts that'll be related in some way. So like if it's an Audi car, maybe we'll do like a, a brief like history piece on one of Audi's most famous cars or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Wow. This is all incredible. What, because I, th I think even uh, a couple guys in the audience, what, if, if you are a photographer or freelance writer or aspiring auto guy or, or girl, what, what would your advice be to them right now? Um, freelance. I, freelancing. And what do you do with that though? So everybody uses that term around here, well, especially in the city so freelance. When I started, I mean, I was still in school when I started freelancing and it's pretty much, 
you have to kind of look at it like the first couple gigs you get, you have to realize that they're going to be unpaid. There's going to be an emphasis on the free of freelance. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to be working, but it's it's what I guess internships call uh, resume builders. Yeah. Um, so it's 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 it is it is experience, and but people will see that experience and say like, all right, well, this person's been in this publication, that publication. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of just kind of build on that and build on that and build on mm-hmm. that, um, and then eventually you can start. Um, increasing your rate card from hopefully you can increase it from free yeah um, but yeah it's just a matter of just keeping your eye out for for any work that comes your way what was your first paid piece of content um, how did you get it or was it it a- was I think it was for that lifestyle website that I couldn't wait to get out of um, but so I don't remember. I think it was just some like. I was just, did they come to you and say, "We'll pay you X," or did you, or did you go for the ask and say, "Well, I charge," or have you ever done that where you've been on the? Well, no, it was it, they. It was pretty much a flat rate. It was yeah. actually a unique, very unique freelance job. You usually get paid by the word or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, I was actually just getting paid uh, per piece. Yeah. Which was nice. Yeah. Um, and rare, but um, but yeah, but I forget what it was. And do you, um, whether it's still now or a couple of years ago. Did you ever write a piece and then do like cold outreach where you said, hey, I wrote this piece. Could you feature me in X, Y, or Z? I, yeah, I did. I wrote, um, I was talking to the New York Times, but it was a really, really weird time for the New York Times because they had wheels. That was their, their car okay. section. And because it was, I felt like it was my luck at the time, but it was, I think, a couple weeks before they were folding wheels all together and just getting completely rid of it yeah. and I think like it was a Camaro that just set a record around a racetrack okay. or something like that and they're like this is really good but I hadn't signed like all their their uh, their code of ethics which is about that thick because wow. it's the New York Times and their freelancing contract they're like this is really good but by the time we send you the paperwork get the paperwork filled out and get that back to us it's going to be so put, there was like a, a gatekeeper between the way yeah. and did you how'd you get in touch with them um I think that was Mary. Yeah, <laughs> it was Mary. Um, so, so where I'm kind of going with this, what would, because I, 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 I do it, uh, and I think a, a lot of what I preach is you're one step away, right, from like that, that meeting somebody, whether that's through a tweet, an email, an event like this. Yeah. Um, what, would your, what, would your, how, what would your approach be or your recommendation to somebody watching this or, or in the audience of like, they're putting out content, they're putting out work, uh, but how do they get noticed? How do they, they break through the gate? Um, like how, how, what would your approach be? Like if somebody was to contact you, what would, what would kind of get Honestly, I think that the, the easiest way to, in the automotive industry at least, would yeah. probably be the auto shows. Yeah. You can, um, even if you just have a blog, you can go and register for a media pass yeah. for the New York Auto Show, uh, North American Auto Show in Detroit, the LA Auto Show. Um, you can get a media pass and then the trick is to just go, I guess, talk to the, the PR people at each stand mm-hmm. and just kind of, if you have a card, you give them their card. What do you say, what do you say to them though, right? Because I'm sure you're, you're one of a hundred that are potentially... I, I, so, I can't so, say because I almost, I, I, luckily I, yeah. I skipped that, that step. <laughs> I didn't have to do the, the tough legwork yeah. and that. I kind of circumnavigated that. What but. if somebody comes to you, what would, what would resonate with you? I think it would have to be their, their tenacity and like I would have to take a look at the work that they've already done mm-hmm. and if it's 
if they're doing original work. It's like, yeah. so the, the biggest cliche auto test in the industry is the Mustang versus the Camaro. Okay. It's like, it's kind of hard. Like everyone, every Everyone's time they, those two cars come out, everyone does Mustang versus Camaro. So if you've done that, it's just like, all right, everyone's done that. Yeah. But if you can find a unique way to review a car, or if you can, if you have a, a unique car yourself and you do a review of that, um, I think that's definitely. Yeah. Where do you, uh, for all the other aspiring writers or creatives out there, uh, out, even outside the automotive and gear patrol world, where, where do you, what would your advice be to them? Like, where is publication and media and journalism going? Um, and what, like, are there new jobs out there, new needs or, or new angles? Yeah, it's to take? I mean, the, the obvious way is, is obviously video because that's, you can put it, I mean, it's on Facebook, Instagram. Um, you can do, I've seen people do really short reviews of cars just through Instagram stories. Yeah. And those work really well because it's nice, it's digestible. Mm -hmm. You can just sit there and watch it like, all right, well, I got the gist of that. That's instead of reading, sitting there through, flipping through eight pages of sort of the same, what gets across the same point. Yeah. But there is still, magazines aren't completely, as in relation to buff books, um, they're not going completely the way of the dodo as everyone thinks they will. Gotcha. Um, with a magazine like Gear Patrol, like I said, it's twice a year. So it's when we're not really doing of the week stories in the magazine. We're doing kind of uh, adventure stories that can last a lifetime. They're, not, they're pretty much timeless. So it's, yeah. you can read a story in the magazine, like the, the thicker magazines that last a long time. You can read a story one week or you can read it a month from now and it'll still be, still have the same weight, still be the same story. Cool. Uh, so here's what I'd like to do is, I have like three more kind of rapid fire questions. Sure. You don't have to give rapid fire answers. The other thing I have is, some people might have a blue card, uh, real talk on their, on their thing that they can ask Brian if they'd like. Obviously I want to open up the Q&A and the other thing I want to do is have you pick out a card here that you want to answer okay. a random question. But um, what was, um, Three questions I have. What was your first job? Um, what were you doing? It was either, they're, they're pretty close to each other. It was either I was a, a waiter busboy at a okay. really crappy pizzeria in town, or it was, uh, I was the guy who put the tracking stickers on packages at the UPS store. Oh yeah? yeah. What'd you learn from working your first job? Um, that I hated the service industry. Okay. <laughs> um, I think a lot of us can agree to that. Yeah. Um, I hated working in the servant industry. I don't hate people in the has there, has there been a, a boss or a work environment that you just couldn't work in anymore? And if so, could you give us a little detail on um, what happened and why you left? Actually, I worked at a summer camp okay. a long time ago, and I just couldn't... It, again, it was almost like the service industry, just but for parents and working for kids, and I just... Yeah. The guy who owned the camp was just a real, he's an awful boss. Okay, yeah. enough said. Yeah. Um, what has been the most difficult moment since college and through this kind of journey to this, obviously what I think a lot of people would say, an awesome job, but what has been either a difficult moment or a time of sacrifice or a time of, of, of you know, where you're like, I don't know what's gonna happen next? Um, I, probably when I moved to Michigan, yeah. Um, kind of picked up my life and went there, but then when they folded, or they kind of dissolved the account, I was, I, I was like, I have to move back to 
I think that happened on a Wednesday, and I was back in Jersey on a Friday. Really? Yeah. What, what, what went through your, your head? And, like, what, like, was it just I had no clue what was happening next. I was like, well, at least, I mean, I can still freelance. Mm -hmm. So, like, at least I didn't, uh, when I moved here, I was like, all right, well, see, I'm not going to freelance anymore for you. I kind of, I was glad that I kept that on the side. Mm -hmm. But there was a, an air of unknown. I mean, I just kind of cracked up my laptop and just started sending out my resume. Rapid really? Fire. Yeah. Wow. Where do you uh, where do you publish your where did you publish at the time or if you still do where did you publish your content? Do you have a website? Do you use Medium or? Um, I I started using WordPress in the, in its most basic yeah. form. It was like it's, it was pretty pathetic. I'm actually glad that I forgot the the website because I don't want anybody going <laughs> on it. Um, but it was I did a few things for Dupont Registry. Um, there, when I was in England, I worked at, I did two work placements, one at Evo Magazine and one at uh, Autocar. Yeah. So I got to write news blurbs and like that was my first time in print and I thought that was absolutely amazing. Um, and then the, the lifestyle website that, that I worked at. Cool. Uh, two more questions that I have. At Business Brian is your Instagram handle. Yeah. Do you have an alternate handle? Like, or like at Business Brian, how'd you come up with that handle? It was actually started as a joke that, because um, I had a, I have a friend, Brian, who spells it with an I. Okay. And he was business, the original Business Brian. I have to okay. give him credit for that one. Yeah. Um, and he's like, oh, you should be Business Brian with a Y. It's like, all right. <laughs> so that just kind of worked itself into it. I would highly recommend you guys following him at Business Brian on Instagram. It's just, it, I mean, obviously, one, you can follow his journey. And kind of curse yourself, curse him out every time he's like in, in these amazing places. I get enough um, of that from my friends when I come back. Yeah, from yeah, trip, so. yeah. It looks like a rough life. Um, before we jump into these real talk questions and Q and A, the the question I'm asking everybody, I've been asking it since I started writing, you know, since I wrote my first book, is uh, what would you tell your your college senior self or or you, you just graduated college? What would you what would you tell yourself? If you go back a couple of years. Um. I just keep at it because I mean that's kind of what I did is um, I knew that I wanted to especially when I came back from from England I knew that I wanted to work in the car industry yeah I mean I even I took a job as a salesman and I hated the service industry luckily that was my last mm -hmm. service industry job but I needed I knew I needed to work around cars yeah. and I just I was like I'm not gonna apply to any other job yeah. outside of the industry because I'll I'll be miserable yeah so it would just be keep at it. It'll eventually, if you keep knocking on the door, someone's got to answer. Love that soundbite. Yeah. Um, so let's do this. I'm going to pick out a stack of cards here. Who ha does anybody have one of those real talk cards on them that wants to ask Ryan a random question? Go ahead, Mary. Oh, okay. <laughs> Putting you on the spot. What was your dream job as a kid? Um, I don't know. You don't know your dream job as a kid? N no. I th maybe it was like I, it was probably something lame like the the generic thing like an astronaut. Like I probably wanted to be an astronaut. Yeah, you went into engineering at Rutgers, right? And no, I was at fine arts school at Rutgers. It's completely gotcha. different. Gotcha. I thought you and were in engineering. No, no, no. I, w I wanted to design cars. I probably needed an engi yeah. engineering degree to do that, but I did not. Gotcha. I'm going to let you pick out a random card. I'll give you one strike. So if you, if you get like a random card that or one, if it's a politics card, you don't have to answer it. That one's staring me in the face. So the shallow end. You can read the question to everybody and then you can give your first reaction here. Are we doomed by technology or is it moving us forward? Say that one more time so everybody heard it. Are we doomed by technology or is it moving us forward? 
if it's in relation to uh, fully autonomous cars, I'm probably doomed in my, because then I won't. Yeah, Uber's going to take over. Yeah, I won't, yeah. I won't be able to review cars. I'll just Because no one will be driving. It won't be test ride. It won't be test drives. It'll just be test driven. Test ride, rides? You'll, yeah, it'll be pa- yeah, you'll yeah, be riding. I'll be a test driving. passenger. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'd like to order some Q&A. Who has some questions for Brian? Go ahead, Mary. Um, so in, with networking and developing relationships with complete strangers, how did you maintain those relationships so that way you can go to them at any time? Um, so actually, I just had, I'll, I can use an example from today. Um, when I was at the Geneva Auto Show, I met um, the JP from, he's does PR for McLaren Automotive. And I just, just started talking to him. I was like, oh, are you based in, you got the talking. He's based in New York City. I'm based in New York City. We should meet up for coffee. It's just something as simple as that, just meeting up for coffee. Um, and I met up for coffee with him this morning. And then we were just kind of talking about, uh, first we were just bullshitting about cars, cars for yeah, of course. 15 minutes, about talking about racing, how McLaren didn't do that that well this past weekend in Formula One. But then we get into, well, where's McLaren looking for? If they lend us a car, well, what are we going to do with it? Well, we might drive it out of the city, take it to a racetrack, do some video, do a review of it. And we're like, oh, well, that's something we'd very much like to see happen. So we just kind of talk about specifics of projects, what they're up to, what we'd like to do, what we're up to. So just kind of following up in a, in a casual sense and then taking it from there. Were there questions about Gear Patrol or about Brian's job or how he got there? Go what was the toughest but most valuable like, experience you had post-college to your current job? Um, toughest thing to take, but it was now looking back at it, it was Probably uh, leaving my job at the, the motorcycle dealership because I knew that I was just kind of going into the unknown. I know that I had to, like I said, I, I had to light a fire under my ass somehow, but I didn't know if that was going to be lucrative by any means, but I needed to do it. So it was just kind of taking that leap of faith. Cool. Go ahead, John. Was there ever a time where you didn't think you would end up with a job that you loved? Yeah. I, um, I started, once I got, once I was freelance for a long time, I started, uh, like I was sending, I was sending my resume, resume out to all a bunch of different places. And it got to be um, where I was just kind of looking back at the, the corporate PR, which I didn't want to go back into, but it's one of those options that you just kind of have to look into. So it's corporate PR is you, you might be able to work, I might, might've been able to work in the automotive industry, but where I'm in editorial now, I kind of have my, I can have an opinion about everything. But if I were to work at BMW or Ford or Chevy, they kind of dictate your opinion. And you kind of have to write uh, press releases around that. Because you can't say anything bad in a press release from Chevy, which made it awkward because I was actually working for Chevy Performance right when the, the ignition switch problem happened. Mm. So I felt really bad for the guys writing for the, the genuine GM uh, performance stuff. But um, yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing was the, the same week that I got the offer from Gear Patrol, I also had a, uh, I had an offer from uh, BMW 
PR and from the, the website that I was currently freelancing at. So I could have gone in a couple of different directions. And the Eric at my, the owner, my editor in chief was very convincing. He was like, you're not, he's like, you're basically, you're gonna have a lot of experience, a lot of great experiences at Gear Patrol. You're gonna travel a lot. And I kind of weighed that against what I knew what would kind of happen at the BMW PRs, I'd be sitting at a desk um, and I feel like I made the, the right choice. Yeah. Anything else? Amanda? What kind of car did you say your dad had? Uh, 76 Eldorado. I wish I had that car still, but. Uh, any anything, uh, Benet? You have a question. What do you think about home toilet now? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, mostly, I'm I've gone from magazines to scrolling through car news, so As it's pretty much yeah. pretty much all the same, just different medium. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, anything else you want to share, either about journalism, Gear Patrol, yourself? Um, Anything? Um, as you have, this, have you had this platform? I can't think of anything right now. How now can uh, the actual hot seat? Uh, whether it's people in the audience or people that are going to watch this video, uh, how can people one get in touch with you, and two, if someone's trying to break into being becoming a business Brian, yeah, uh, being an automotive traveling journalist, um, what should what what should they do, or what should they what what do you what do you guys look for? Um. Actually, the funniest thing is a lot of the, I guess my most liked photos on Instagram are actually the, the most, the super simple ones. So it's like the back of like a really rare car or even um, like if you spot a really rare car in town mm -hmm. and you just take a picture of it, a lot of people will just like that. Yeah. And there's a big, huge uh, car spotting community on, on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good way to, to dive into yeah. it. And is there anything, one specific thing that Gear Patrol looks for when they hire? Um, a spirit of adventure. Gotcha. Uh, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, direct message you. On, yeah. on Instagram. At Business Brian. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I'm finally glad we got to do this. This has obviously been, uh, I think we obviously connected like last summer and we've been emailing and talking over the phone, but I'm glad yeah. we got to do this because I, I really think uh, I can one tell you you're completely into cars. Uh, but I think you're somebody clearly, uh, I think if you went a different direction other than getting into automotive and cars, I think you clearly found your niche. And obviously it's something you're, you're super passionate about and, and kind of making your way in it. So I appreciate you sitting down with us, Brian. Yep. Thank, Thank you for you. having me. Give up for Brian. Thank you guys so much.